You look like you're lots of fun. Open up your loving arms. Watch out. Here I come. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon. Better to be a one-hit wonder than a one-quit blunder. This is Modern Escapism. Hello, my name is Oodles, the Chico Time of Podcasters, and, <laughs> and today I am joined by the one-trick pony, Stig. Hello. The flash-in-the-pan gadget. Hello. And the walk of shame after the one-night stand, Biggie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Charles. You're, all, you're all right, gents. Aye. Aye. It's been a, it's been a crazy week. It feels like I've spoken to you all about 500 times this week. I know. I, I fucking hell, I know. I'm sick of the sight of you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can believe it. I can never be sick of the sight of Biggie. Oh, no. I'd, I'd have him as my alarm clock every day. <laughs> so um, <laughs> let's just let's just crack straight on there. Um, we're going to start with you, Gadget. What have you been up to? Um, well, besides writing copious notes and telling a four-hour-long story for you, huh. um, I have been... Well, it, it was kind of the week before, but I finished it this week. I finished watching Ted Lasso oh, on yes, Apple man. Plus, Apple, Apple TV Plus. Oh, it's such a fucking good show. One of the best. For the uninitiated, because I know Apple TV Plus isn't that popular over here yet. That's me. Uh, uh, Ted Lasso <laughs> is uh, an American sitcom made by the people who brought out Scrubs. Uh, so like Bill Lawrence and folks like that. Uh, it follows the titular Ted Lasso. Uh, a rather unsuccessful third or fourth tier American football coach who, for some reason, gets the job to manage a Premier League football team in the UK <laughs> called uh, a fictional team of AFC Richmond. Very, and very Millwall-esque, though, aren't they? I'm pretty sure they use Millwall's ground. I'm, yeah. I don't know for sure, for sure, but I'm fairly sure they use their training ground for a lot of the outside shots. Yeah. But yeah, it's... a. Uh, yeah, a Premier League team, a very small tier Premier League team, who in the in the story have been kind of struggling. They're kind of middle of the bottom of the table kind of thing in, in relegation contention. Whoa, <laughs> dude! Um, but um, yeah, Ted himself is played by Jason Sudeikis, uh, putting on the most most charming. Mm. Mid- Midwest American accent. Yeah, it's like an uh, Illinois said, accent type thing. I think it's supposed to be Kansas. Um, oh, is it? Is it that far on? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, he <clears throat> is one of the most relentlessly optimistic people you will ever see on TV. He is a man that everyone should aspire to be. He's possibly the le- least toxic man ever to exist. Absolutely. Um, but the the kicker is, he knows fuck all about football and actually says it at his first press conference when he turns up. <laughs> Literally, in the first episode, he turns up, he meets the, he meets the, um, uh, the, the boss, uh, the, the director, Rebecca. Um, and I can't remember who plays her, actually. Uh, Hannah Waddingham. Sorry, I just had, had to look it up there. And I have no idea what I know her from, but yeah, she is familiar. By the way, yes, so she's she's hired him as a gag because the club belonged to her ex-husband, who was a, quite a, a, a randy philanderer, played by Anthony Head in a wonderfully cheesy turn. He's so, so sickeningly cheesy. He's like Giles' sexy older brother. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, in, in, in his in his first press conference, he, he goes down. One of the first things he says, well, well, gosh darn it, I know nothing about football. <laughs> <laughs> and constantly <laughs> calls it soccer. Yeah, he gets savaged <laughs> by the media. Uh, there are loads of absolutely great quotes. Like he has this wonderful wit and wisdom, but there are these just standout hilarious moments where like, in the middle of a game, there's an offside um, ruling called and he runs over the linesman and goes, "How can you explain to me how that was offside? <laughs> no, seriously, I don't know what offside is. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, you, he has he has a, team, a kind of dysfunctional team of players. You have... Um, the, the kind of the old guy, you know, like how um, big players, like say, for instance, like Wayne Rooney will, went to Derby. Um, he's like, like the Roy like Keane. Well, he's called Roy Kent and he has the beard and he's sweary and aggressive. Yeah, it's Roy Keane. <laughs> yeah, he is Roy, he is Roy <laughs> Keane. There's one called uh, Jamie Tart, yeah. who I'm not really sure who he's supposed to be, but he's basically, he's from Manchester and he fucking believes his own hype he's and just, all he's that. He's just the, he's, the plucky up-and-comer, up isn't he? The poster boy. He, yeah, but he's like a wall-to-wall ego. Oh, and basically, the team is just completely dysfunctional. And through some weird happenstance, he seems to manage to make them a cohesive team. Um, and he has a beautiful friendship with his um, head coach, Coach Beard, who he brought with him from the States, who is, again, one of the most least toxic people in the world, a very stoic man who is... He usually says two, sen- two words a sentence, and they're usually hilarious. It's just... <laughs> It's a fucking brilliant film, uh, brilliant show, and because it's made by Bill Lawrence, who did Scrubs, there is a lot of there is some kind of really heartbreaking, hand wringingly sad moments throughout it. Um, it's got a wonderful wit. It's cheerful. Like me and Pip watched binge through it in a few days, and it is just delightful to watch. And it's 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 got a second season being made at the minute, and it was commissioned for a third season. Oh, about God. it was commissioned for the second season five days after it first aired. And then commission for the third season two days after that. <laughs> I've never watched Scrubs, so I didn't realise Scrubs um, was like that as well. I've never watched Scrubs either, mate. Yes, yeah, yeah, Scr- well, Scr- Scrubs is quite famous for it because Scrubs has Scrubs has a weird kind of duality about it where a lot of the humour is incredibly silly and very slapstick mm. um, or very kind of fanciful and fantastical. But then it really punches you in the chest with some really heart-wringing moments. Mm. It's a, a weird combination, isn't it? It, but it works somehow. Like Bill Lawrence is a really good writer, and he and he gets good writers around him, and he knows how to deal with these things. Without being too much of a spoiler, there is one scene in like the fifth season I want to say of Scrubs, where they spend the entire episode. There's three patients in intensive care who all need transplants, and they're like, you know, they're fighting to keep them alive all the time, and they get they towards the end of the episode they get a donor, and they say, oh, it's good news, it's good news, and so the, the you know all these patients get these transplants. And when they're in the when they're in the in the ICU, all the machines start beeping and they start coding and they start like failing. Oh. And it it then comes out that the donor died of rabies. Oh fuck! <laughs> and they all got infected organs. And it the music that plays underneath it, the drama behind it, it is one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen. And Bill Lawrence is really good at riding that line between humor and heartbreak. And Ted Lasso is a perfect kind of follow on from that style. Um, there's no kind of laugh track or anything like that. It's like single camera comedy, so it's done quite cinematically quite well, very high production values. And again, like I said, with Mythic Quest, it doesn't go over the top with the Apple product placement, which I like, because, it's again, it's an Apple-funded show. It's there, show. but it's not, it's not ridiculous. Well, it, well, it's there, but in the way that the director uses a MacBook and they, yeah. re, they call off iPhones, yeah. there's, there's, there's no scenes of like, the camera looking at, a, at an AirPods case, pulling them out and putting them in his ear. You know, there's none of that. They're just... 
they happen to be. Well, you know it's Apple because they don't they don't have phone cases and they've just got naked phones, haven't yeah. they? <laughs> Which you wouldn't <laughs> the do. Fucking psych- the psychopaths. Uh, but yes, watch watch Ted Lasso. It is so good. Yeah, it is, mate. I loved it. It's it's the best thing on Apple TV Plus, followed closely by uh, Long Way Up and Mythic Quest and stuff. I'd, I'd I'd say as a comedy, it's it's up there with Mythic Quest. I think they're they're very different comedies, but they both have that super super sharp writing, and the production values kind of suit them. The, the way they film their 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 um, comedies, it's absolutely it's incredible. It looks so good. I like little movies. Yeah, little filmography um, aspect of it. It's yeah. a lot of money pumped pumped into that. Yeah, the, it's an interesting. That, oh, I was just going to say it's an interesting conundrum having to sign up and subscribe to all these different networks, just buy a new and channels. IPhone. <laughs> yeah, that's to, that's the only, that's the only reason it. I've signed up for Apple TV because I got a year year with get my a year iPhone. with every iPhone. Um, the the other thing that is worth mentioning about Ted Lasso is there isn't actually a lot of football in it. I think there's maybe four scenes involving oh, yeah. them being on the pitch. Most of it's around training and around the kind of the internal drama of them. You're right. It um, is like Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The and I'm going to end with, just end up with with my favorite quote from the series. Which is um, from from Ted trying to tr- trying to work out what the Premier League is, and he says, "In my mind, you got to have three things to be a Premier League team. One, you got to play physical. Two, you got to give a hundred percent until the final whistle. And three, you've got to be sponsored by a Middle Eastern airline." <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> not wrong. You know, there is one where he throws shade at Liverpool, but I thought I'd I'd leave you two for that one. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Right, excellent. Yeah, Ted Lasso, I can, I can only uh, agree with you. We're going to jump over to myself now. I fancy going. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, no. Breaking up with the order, what's going on? fucking shit up. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> uh, I watched a, uh, a film this week called The King of Staten Island. Um, it's directed by Judd Apatow, starring Peter Davidson, Bill Burr and Marissa Tomei. It's already a decent cast straight off. That's a pretty good cast, really. Yeah, it's a, it's about a, a young man played by Judd Apatow, Apat- Peter Davidson, called Scott Carlin. I, I believe it's semi-autobiographical, this. So, it is, yeah. Yeah, so it's based in, in Staten Island and how Scott is basically a 24-year-old bum. Uh, he still lives with, he still lives with his mum, uh, his sister's gone off to college. Everyone around him is a lot more successful than him. And... There's a through line from from the very beginning. Um, the reason that he's this way is because he had a really good relationship with his dad, who was a fireman and who unfortunately passed away when he was young. And it's just left this gaping hole in his life and he's never really recovered from it. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's funny. It's Judd Apatow, but it's not overly funny. It's not It's not knocked up. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's not that kind of... Uh, <laughs> I love that's the one that you pick, one of his least funny films. <laughs> I, I like Knocked Up. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it too, I but like it's not that funny. <laughs> that's true, it's not, is it? But yeah. Follow up was worse. Oh, God, yeah. This is, this is 40s. Yeah, that's not very good. Bad. But yeah, like like most um, Judd Apatow films, it's it's a bit longer than it should be. He, he really does like to do mm. a two and a half hour comedy, doesn't he? Yeah, it's way too long. <laughs> yeah, I think most too- of his films are pretty long. But this one has got a heart to it. Like, Basically, he wants to he wants to be a tattoo artist. He's covered in tattoos as he is in real life, and um, he's got a few mates around him in Staten Island. And and basically, they're all in their early twenties and they're going nowhere fast. And um, and then something crucial happens in uh, Scott's life. Uh, his mum ultimately finds love again, and the gentleman that she falls in love with is a fireman. 
So obviously it kicks him off. He, I believe he's got he's got some kind of ADHD type issue to him. He's a, he's a PTSD potentially, and it's just it really resonated in me a little bit of being a bit of a troubled youth myself and we've all had troubled past I'm sure in some aspect and it was it was just it's it's really witty it's really strong character based comedy um no one's tripping up over a banana peel do you know what i mean <laughs> but it's i've i've seen people call them dramedies you know where it's drama comedy type thing i don't like that it's a comedy with drama um, and I just really, I really recommend you watch it. I don't want. It's one of those that you can't say too much because you'll spoil it. Mm. But it's got, it's got some strong cast that turn up that you don't expect as well. Um, but yeah, um, I just think it's really, it's it's really a powerful film. And I'm not Judd Apatow's biggest fan, but I think this is up there with one of his best. Yeah, I agree. It's very good. And like Pete Davidson is. Um... So you said about it being semi-autobiographical. Uh, uh, autobiograph- that's the way I could get falling <laughs> on my tongue there. <laughs> he, um, Have another go, Stig. <laughs> no, you're all right. Uh, he, the, his dad in real life died at 9-11. Ah, oh, did it? Right. I didn't uh, look into and it. And that's where this story comes from. So he used right. that trauma um, yeah. to create this film. And, and that's why. Because it's set in modern. It's set now rather than yeah, back so then. He, it's kind of, he's, He's got this story in real life about which he uses in the film for his character. He's, yeah. you know, a, a father who has died as a fireman. Yeah. So that's where that kind of comes into. It's to quite, it. it's, it's, it's quite deep as comedies go. And it's, it's just by the end of it, I was, I, I was smiling, but not like laughing, smiling. I was just smiling. I was like, okay, I can see there's, there's, there's a grass is greener on the other side. You know what I mean? And obviously, in real life, Davidson's got success and stuff, so things worked out. And yeah, that's what that's what that's what I've been watching, and it it's really impacted me. I've been I've been thinking about you know well those films that just get under your skin a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I definitely that's good when they do it. that. Yeah, and, and the reason I watched it is because um, I used a Now TV trial to watch um, Justice League, and it's on Now TV. So. Are you really getting your money's worth out of that seven days? Aren't you? I, I absolutely am. <laughs> Better than that four hours you wasted. Uh, eight, uh, more than four hours, mate. Twelve it. hours. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Watched yeah. it three yeah. times. It wasn't wasn't wasted. <laughs> you listen to the spoiler cast. He says that ten times. I've watched this film three times. I, I don't know <laughs> if I've told you, but I watched it three times. <laughs> have, you gone, have you gone back to uh, look at the anti life scene yet? I, I refuse to acknowledge that comment. <laughs> even though, even though, <laughs> even though, in the podcast, you say it. At like 28 yeah, you minutes say that. you do say it and then later on you said no you didn't do that and i was like and when i listened to it back i was like little bastard said that and then and then he and then, he, and then later on he's like denying it no comment <laughs> we'll move swiftly on to the accuser himself stig yeah so this week i finished off the final series of vikings mm. um, oh hit- my god yeah yeah, so I think the final, I think it actually came out about November, December time, but yeah. I've only just got around to watching the, the last uh, several episodes now. The, la- the last series was split into two, um, ten episodes, so it's pretty much full season anyway. Um, yeah, it's finally over, I think. So Vikings, I'm, 
if you haven't watched it, it's a, it's a History Channel show. It's on Amazon Prime at the moment, and it's basically about the the tales and stories of uh, Ragnar Lothbrok, who's one of like the most famous Vikings ever, one of the first people to invade England and France and basically sail out from yeah. uh, Norway and invade other places in Europe. So it's about him, his family, his sons, and the, the first kings of Norway and everything. And yeah, it's just six series just showing the life of them. It moves ahead. It moves on at like a really quick pace. So rather than just like messing about on, right, okay, so they, they leave Norway and then by maybe the next few scenes, they'll be in England. Oh, that's you know what good. I mean, like they don't mess around unless there's something integral to it. Like, yeah, uh, a conversation on a boat or something. Yeah, like they, they just move around really quickly. Like, even like his children are like when his children are born by the end of the series or by the start of the full next grown. series, they're like fully grown men. Yeah, it, yeah. it just kind of retells the tales of, of these Viking invasions and, and their that's explorations cool. and um, finding new lands like Iceland and Greenland and all that kind of stuff. Um, as it's ups and downs, but. In the generally, the first four series in particular are absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I agree. Does it play fast and loose with history? Absolutely. Like the the way the the way that certain events actually happened in the show, they didn't happen like that in real life. But for television purposes, obviously, it's much better if they do it like. And I that. bet they all have lovely teeth as well, don't they? Oh, they all have <laughs> lovely teeth. They all have perfectly <laughs> shaven hair, and yeah, they all Great look. Hairstyles. Oh yeah, they all look, but they all look like a modern, like male yeah. model. Like they don't look <laughs> an anything. Instagram Viking. Oh yeah, they are Instagram man Vikings. Man buns everywhere. Man buns, like shaving heads and like oh, plat- plaited hair. Real, when big, in real life, they just had flies following them around and stuff, and stuff yeah. like shit. Like I, they just do not like. They, they look basically like you know the Assassin's Creed Viking. Yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. But Clean like, Vikings. Vikings did not look like that in real life at no. all. They didn't have that. You know, they didn't dress like that. They didn't do yeah. that. But but it's fun and it's I really I mean, Viking good. is a job rather than a people, isn't it? It's, uh, it's uh, Being yeah, a, being a Viking is a job. <laughs> it's like describing you as an office. So you work in an office. <laughs> <laughs> the Norse people, aren't they? But everyone always refers to them as the Vikings. Yeah. But but it's it's hard. The History Channel have pumped a lot of money into this. Yeah. So, that, so the battle scenes are brilliant. You, you know, like... I think it was the first few series of Game of Thrones, particularly season two. Mm. Um, Rob goes off to fight a battle, and then it cuts back, and he's you just see him on a table, <laughs> and and, he, and it's the, and then he, it, it's just them coming back, yeah. And you're like, what? I wanted to see this massive battle. Yeah, that was meant yeah. To take they didn't place. do that until like season five. Yeah, because they obviously didn't have the money for it. But the History Channel <laughs> yeah. just gone like, nah, here's massive battles, full of blood, full of fighting. Wow. Like, just, Great camera work. Yeah, brilliant. It does have those few Zack Snyder moments where like the slow motion and like a bit now of music my in the back, background that <laughs> some, sometimes just go on a little bit too long. Uh, but in terms of the law, they throw in there with like uh, you know the the Norse gods and Valhalla and everything that all plays into it, and there's just it's just full of betrayals and mm. you know. I might give that a shot. Are they all on Amazon Prime then? Yes. Yeah, yeah, the whole yeah. lot. Yeah, I believe I, the theme was, I, believe I watched the first well. episode when it first aired, and I just—I mean, I'm just probably like six years ago now, or whatever. And no, it was a lot longer than that. It was like, was it? It was, it was around about season thirteen, I think it came. I out. remember. I remember getting 
annoyed because the wife was like, oh, he's fit. And I went, right, we're not watching this. <laughs> That's weird. I, I think you'd love Ragnar. I think yeah, you'd you be right. I think you right. would. I agree. Yeah. I think you'll yeah. watch this and you'll be like, you're right. Ragnar is fucking amazing. Because yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah, Ragnar totally Lothbrok agree. is so I'll start, good. I'll start it this week, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, need so, I need something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, and you'll, then you'll come, come on to next week's Zoom call with like, <sighs> braids going on and yeah. beard on braiders. But if you don't, if you don't mind, you like, yeah, your history shows being a bit fantastic. Cannot get my words out today at all. Put your teeth in. What was yeah. the other one you couldn't say? I don't know. It's gone. <laughs> Autobiographical. Auto- I couldn't that's say. It. Uh, yeah, it's if, a Sunday if night, you don't Lee. mind that, and uh, it's really good. Like, if I don't. You, if you, yeah. Do you know what? Like when I watch Game of Thrones, like sometimes when you watch it, I wanna, I wanna sit a little bit longer in the towns, and I wanna listen to people. Like I wanna see, like they're always drinking wine on Game of Thrones. I'm like, I wanna see how that's made. There's a, there's a lot of scenes of um, them chatting around yeah. feasting tables. Yeah, I want to see them like, preparing meals and stuff. Vikings, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I, they I do like that. that. That's that's the good thing. Like I said about how they move between mm. things really quickly. It's like there's a lot of scenes of them talking and like mm. strategizing and talking about what they're going to yeah. do, and then it just moves on to the next where you need to be, rather yeah. than just being like laboured and, and taking ages. Oh, I will, I will definitely. I'll definitely. I'll, yeah. I'll come back to you with that. I'm, I'm keen. I'm keen on it. A weird yep. one quickly about the theme tune. Um, it actually appeared in Breaking Bad. Did it? There's a scene in Breaking Bad when that tune comes in, and then for some reason... Is it a public it domain it. theme tune? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a Norse, like... Um, Might be a like, famous... Song or something. Yeah, yeah it's, really, it's really eerie and everything. It fits the show. And, uh, so yeah, well. I think it was perfectly used, but it's also yeah. used in a, a scene in Breaking Bad as well. Oh, cool. cool. Well, yeah, the Vikings then, absolutely. Um, I'm sure there'll be... People going, why haven't you watched this, you fucking idiot? Because <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm probably assuming there's a massive fan base for it. Yeah, I assumed you'd watched it, it, to be honest. No, yeah. mate, no. I've not watched it. Also, also, I just looked it up. Um, the theme song is If I Had a Heart by Fever Ray. Yeah. And it was basically recorded as a, as a single in 2009. So that's why it'll have appeared in Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's a real song then, then yeah. yeah. You were... Cool. Uh, but you're a Viking yourself, so it's weird that you haven't watched it. That's why I, I just assumed it. Uh, oh, it's very strange, isn't it? That I know, yeah. I know, I know. Oh, flexing my muscles. <laughs> right, so we'll move on to um, the Celt. Maybe are you Celtic? I don't know. Let's let's just uh, pretend you are. Well, see, I'm not far off. Biggie. Yeah. Um, thanks to Smashius Clay in the Discord, he reminded me that the uh, TV series of Invincible. Had just been released on Amazon Prime. Dude, I watched them as well. Yeah, man. Oh my it was, god, it's so good. I was really nervous about this when it was first announced so were I, because mate. I am a massive fan of the comic book. So, uh, for those that are not initiated, um, it's an American adult animated superhero uh, show which is based on a comic book um, character created by uh, Robert Kirkman and the um, artworks by Corey Walker. Uh, Robert Kirkman is famous for doing The uh, Walking Dead, um, amongst others. Uh, the series stars, um, or voiced, should I say, by Stephen Ewan, bizarrely from Walking Dead, uh, Sandra O, oh, <laughs> and J.K. Simons, amongst many others. So the cast in, uh, it really is a really good bunch of people. There's... He's uh, so good as Omni-Man. Clancy Brown appears in it as well. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, um, Luke Skywalker, what's his name? Uh, Mark Hamill. Oh, more of him later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's really good. Um, but yeah, I was really surprised. Uh, the the artwork um, really works for the comic. 
So I was really interested to see how it would pull off an animated TV series. And I, I think they've yeah. nailed it. I think the quality of the animation at times isn't 100%. It must be budget reasons. I, I think there are times it looks yeah. a bit off. But when they do nail it, it is really good. There's a tiny little bit of anime to it. Like some, I've, no, I've, I've noticed a few scenes being reused like they're doing anime. Yeah. No, I totally agree. So for those that um, want to know, it's um, Invincible is the son of Omni-Man an extraterrestrial superhero of the Viltramite race. So he already is a bit sort of like the Superman character, his father, um, who uh, has inherited... Um, he eventually inherits his father's superhuman strength, ability to fly, heal, etc. All Superman's powers, basically. Yeah, but he, it's only, only occurs to him late in his puberty. So the <laughs> yeah. storyline kind of follows him as he's at college when he suddenly has a power start. He's been wanting this to happen a lot earlier, so he's quite frustrated that his powers never came um, to fruition um, earlier in his life. So then when they suddenly appear, his father starts to train him. Um, he meets other famous superheroes and starts to sort of help out um, and sort of learn to be a superhero, coping with college life as well. So it sounds very samey to, you could say something like Spider-Man in a way, um, about it's got kick-ass vibes to it as yeah, well. Yeah, it? it's all about sort of a kid dealing with his powers, and you think, well, there's nothing new yeah. there. Um, and then it takes a turn, and mate, does it fucking take a I turn? I am not going to spoil <laughs> this for anybody that hell. wants to uh, find that out for themselves <sighs> because it is really awesome. And it blew me away. The only mate. thing I will say, it is brutal. The comic was always renowned for being brutal, and you have this wonderful, colourful art style. And then when the fights actually kick off, they are gory <laughs> as hell. And I really wasn't sure if they were going to put that in the TV show. And they have. Well, it took so long to kick off, didn't it? It took so long to get to... Cause like I remember in the books, like, I wonder if they're going to do this or they're just going to skip it completely. No, no, they didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, I just implore anyone who has Amazon Prime to check it out. There's only three episodes available and they're going to be released yeah. uh, weekly, I believe. Have they said one, how many episodes there's going to be? Ten, I think. Then I'll wait seven weeks. But I'll tell you one thing. This is a, a big series. So um, assuming it's going to be successful, there's a lot of um, I hope so. story to cover. And the other thing I was really interested to see what they would do as well is the humour. Um, the comic is very funny, uh, very cultural. Mm. Um, they put a lot of themes in there, but keep it lighthearted. Um, it can be quite um, sarky, quite funny at times. So yeah, I, I was wanting to make sure that was in there as well, and they've kept that so in. So is it is it like impressed. that same is that same tone that the boys kind of follow? Is where it's a very, very generally yeah, dark yeah, story, a bit, a but it's bit, quite a little very bit funny at times. Yes, yeah, I would say that. That's that's a pretty good. Yeah, call. I tell you what, Biggie, um, Zachary Quinto as robot is incredible. yeah, perfect choice. Perfect choice. <laughs> what, what really impressed choice. with the, the cast. They, they, they've got it right. They're, they're playing it. Oh, right. yeah, there's a character called, simply called Robot. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're working yeah, with. <laughs> but, yeah, um, don't um, get confused by the look of it because it, it is designed to be that way. It is like Don't a, watch it with your kids. Yes, and it is supposed to look like superheroes. So you kind of look at it and go, oh, it's just another superhero, but trust us. Yeah, see, I was, I was just going to say that I quite like that studios and the streaming services now are actually pushing the boat out on these things and actually doing like animation that's a bit more for grown-ups yeah yeah like it's you know 10 years ago if they'd have done this wouldn't have had any of if this you know it wouldn't have had any of the gore in or the humor or anything it would have been properly watered down and now shows like this and stuff like castlevania it's just like no actually we're gonna make a really gory brutal yeah. show if this is a show for adults 
maybe a cartoon, it's but as, it's, it's for adults. It, it, yeah, it's not as anime as Castlevania. No, but I mean, like, I mean, like the types of like. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, eighteen an, plus. I mean, anime and stuff like that has, like, if you think of stuff like the Giver, it's always been kind yeah. of back to the back to the eighties in Japan. It's always yeah. been quite brutal and violent. But I think you know what? I think it's a, stuff like Rick and Morty is to blame for it because that kind of normalized the kind of more yeah. extreme end of cartoon violence for Western Ooh. audiences. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if it? you didn't have Rick and Morty, you wouldn't have like this, or you wouldn't have like Star Trek Lower Decks or anything like that, where they could be quite bloody and violent. The art style to this is is literally like Justice League uh, cartoon or oh god, like, really? Like yeah. like the animated oh, Spider Man, like, like confused like parents, the, like the classic <laughs> yeah, Fox Kids look. Remember Fox Kids? <laughs> yeah. It's like that kind of look. Yeah, they might look like, oh, look, it's a new superhero film. Like, show on. Yeah, don't. Please do not let your kids watch it. Just don't. It is fucked up. Just (laughs) stick, you just hear your daughter call from the room, Dad, can I watch Invincible? You're like, no! (laughs) Leaping into the room. Seriously, mate. They they just watch crap on YouTube these days. Yeah, they do. Kids kids are not interested in programs. Honestly, that that thing I posted in our Discord. Yeah, mate. I was like, what is she watching? (laughs) It's just. Boggles my mind, like how <laughs> these people. I, I get some stuff on YouTube is brilliant. People put a lot of effort into it, and they deserve to have the followers. Some dickheads shit. just sat what, playing shit games and overreacting to it, and they have six and a half million followers. And you're like, I don't get it. I just... When they play these Roblox levels, like, oh my god, it's such a good level. It's just a level where you're buying like groceries. Yeah, I'm like, and kids are going insane. I'll be like, oh my god. Like, come to it's ask a generational me. thing, <laughs> completely. But man, it's just it boggles my mind that how some of the stuff on that thing on YouTube, yeah, it's ridiculous, man. Right then, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we've been doing this week. And now we're going to move on to the uh, main topic. What we're we talking about this week, Big? Because I ain't got a fucking clue. One hit wonders. Is this podcast a one hit wonder? No, it fucking oh, isn't. Yeah. Wikipedia describes a one-hit wonder as an entity that achieves mainstream popularity, often for only one piece of work, and becomes known among the general public solely for that momentary success. This week we will be talking about our favourite one-hit wonders. Whether this be a singer, band, actor, author or director, there's a whole world of one-hit wonders out there to discuss. It should be noted that when talking about one-hit wonders, this isn't about someone's taste in things, such as a band or director's various work, but purely what we consider to be their only one hit. This could cause arguments. Maybe. Thank you. It already has. Thank you very much for that, Biggie. So, um, That's why I put that caveat in Yeah, the thanks, end. mate. I you had. So, a little peek behind the podcast curtain. Um, me and Stig came to blows this week about this topic. But I still loved him all the way through it. It was like, it was like a loving fight. I was, I was gripping him, still kissing him, but gripping him ever so tightly. Um, I went through so It was really awkward for me and Biggie sat watching that. <laughs> no, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. So we're going to start with um, probably um, the most docile of us all, um, Gadget. Oi. <laughs> um, right, okay. So for my first one, I've picked um, a song that if you listen to anything other than Radio 1, you've probably heard this one a fair <laughs> bit. It's, um, it'll be a song that when I... Even just bring up the name of it will be immediately in your head. Because I'm going to talk about the 1995 UK number one hit for the Deep Blue Something, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this song is a song about a struggling couple who are trying to work out what they've got in common. And, you know, as I said, well, that's the one thing we got. It's Breakfast at Tiffany's. Apparently, <laughs> liking the film is enough for this couple to keep trying. I don't recall it being that good a film. I know it's a bit of a classic. It's all right. I like it. It's, it's all like right it. film. It's got its problems. Anyway. Yeah, it has got anyway, its problems. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's this kind of very... It's like a scientifically engineered radio rock song. It's got a bit of acoustic guitar. It's in it's the got key a of C. Bit of electric guitar. It's in the key of C. It's C G E. I think the chords yeah, are in it. Maybe it's an F the near most, the end. Yeah, it's the most generic song ever written. Oh, well, yeah. I love it, and it gets stuck in my head every time I hear it's a good it. Tune. Um, yeah, oh, it's a fantastic tune. Uh, it was it was on one of the first when I when I first did, I didn't get a CD player until like nineteen ninety seven. Mm. So I would have been about ten eleven at the time. Um, and it was on the first CD I got, which is like a, a greatest rock ballads of all time thing. Um, so, yeah. And it's just a fun little song. The band, Deep Blue Something, um, released a few singles off that. So it came off their second album, Home, mm-hmm. um, which was released on Interscope Records. So they were on a big label. That is like a big they were, fucking label. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it, so it was effectively their first single. They didn't release any singles off their debut album. This got to number one in the UK, number five in the Billboard 100 in the wow. US, and the lowest it charted was number 21 in the New Zealand charts. That's still the lowest big. it charted That's still big. Yeah. Second single from the same album released the following spring, Halo. <laughs> Never even heard of it. Yeah. Based on the game. Yeah. That, not in 1996. No. Uh, that, that got to number 102 in the Billboard charts and didn't chart anywhere else. Hey, then yeah. The only that and, and after that there was one more single from that album called Josie, which didn't chart anywhere but the UK and made it to number 27. After that they released one, two, three. There was eight singles, um, and not a single one has charted in the top 200 anywhere. Ah. So. Yeah, they were most definitely a one-hit wonder because they came, came out the gate strong and then disappeared to nothing. There was this but thing. They are I, I, still I'm going. Sorry. They are still going. They split oh, up wow. in 2001, and then for some reason they got back together in 2014. Mortgages. I'm assuming if, if you go and see them live these days, they open with Breakfast at Tiffany's and close with Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, they played before anything. the interval and afterwards. People yeah. Yeah, in the crowd just going, play Breakfast at Tiffany's! Yeah. It's played before they come on as well. Yeah, probably, I, when, yeah. when they were researching this topic, I read this thing about um, how bands were at odds with their label because the label saying, don't release that because if you release that song, you'll never release another song afterwards because that's yeah. your best song. And... <laughs> It seems like, especially the nineties and early oh, the early nineties, they all about that, weren't they? They all they all released the best song first, and you just can't follow that. You just oh, is that what happened to you? That's what happened to me. Yeah, uh, it, it, it it should always be the thing. You release your third best song first, then your second exactly. best song, and then your best one, and then you the end hit. of the album cycle. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, brilliant. So we'll move on to uh, Stig. Yes. <laughs> Oh, where's right. my popcorn? <laughs> Hang on, I need a beer. Right, right. So this is what the, one of the first things that popped to mind when I brought up this topic. And I think I'm going to base this on an album rather than just a single song because I think it's their one hit album and nothing else after is a hit. Now, we had discussion when I brought... What we do in our, in our Discord is we tend to tell each other what we're going to talk about so there's no you know duplicates. So if someone says something, oh, I was going to do that, we, you know, they can think of something else. So when I brought this to the table, 
Oodles was not happy. No, it wasn't. I'm going to talk about this first, and then you can reply after. Okay, I'll be quiet. So my choice is The Darkness, The Mission to Land. Tell you why I think they are a one-hit wonder. Wanker. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't anything to do with what I think their quality. Okay. This is completely to do what I think is a really good one-hit wonder that I really like, and that's their first album. So I saw the darkness before they even got big as a support act for Def Leppard in 2003. Just randomly, exactly. Just randomly that's a gig. playing. <laughs> Never heard of them at all. And when they came out, I was like, this. They don't look like. This doesn't look like the kind of music or the kind of look that Def Leppard are, but it was brilliant. Mm. You know, he was great. He came into the crowd afterwards and, like, you know, was, was literally stood in front of me watching Def Leppard with us. Like, he was well into it. Uh, uh, but yeah, so I saw them, and then they released their album in July later that year, and it just they just shot to fame. So the album went to number two originally for a few weeks, and then it hit number one about four weeks into its cycle. Stayed there for four weeks itself. Off that, they had a number of hits, including I Believe in a Thing Called Love, which got to number one. Oh, sorry, that got to number two. Sorry, not number one. And it sold three and a half million copies at the time. And it currently now sits on a five-time platinum. So it has gone up since then. So they now have at least five million copies. That album stayed in the charts for 50 weeks in the top 100. So it managed, to, in for that long. That was it managed to stay in the top 100 for nearly a whole year. Off that album, they won three Brits, two Kerrang Awards, and found themselves headlining the UK's most, one of the UK's most popular head festivals at Leeds and Reading. This all happened to them within the first year of releasing that album. Right After that, never hit those heights ever again. Doesn't matter how good maybe their album was, those, that album, those albums never hit like that first album did. The, the follow-up album didn't sell as much. The sales were considered disappoint, disappointing. It now has... In all fairness, it now has a platinum status, but that still means it's five times less the sales than the original album. And I, I can't name a single track off any of their other albums. Like, I just think that first album is full of bangers that I could name, and then after that I just didn't hear anything from them. Didn't hear them on the radio at all. And then, obviously, problems with uh, Justin Hawkins. In real life, the band split up. And I feel like the Ed then became a bit of a joke, mainly him. I think people started to turn on that, his kind of that style, found him a bit, and, and you know, even to the point like the guy came back in 2007 to try and be our entrant in the Eurovision. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, was it, was that and he that lost Sparks out. Cover. Yeah. And he lost out to a band called Scooch. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like his popularity, he had that, you know, he had that absolutely banging year when they first came out and he still couldn't win, to, you know, to the Eurovision. Like they were just forgotten about by that point. Come back together now in 2012. Since then, they've released four studio albums, one live album, all of which have a combination of eight weeks in the album charts, zero tracks in the top 100. And therefore I put it to you that that first album is a, one hit wonder, and then after that, nothing other than if you're a fan. And that's why I think, because I love that tr- first album. It is oh, first banging. Amazing. And that's why I put it in here because I think it's an amazing album. 
And, and uh, to quote um, Decibel Magazine, this is perfect to the style of the art. It says, a bombast of Queen and ACDC with an inexcusable supply of hooks to create something that is teeming with unbridled enthusiasm and energy. That sums them up perfectly. And even though their other albums might be like that, nothing landed like that first album did. Everything they did was in that first year off that first album. And then since then, they've won no awards. They've had no radio play. They've won their, their second tour from that second album. Didn't even sell out. No. So, I, I remember going to see them in Newcastle when they did that tour. It was at the Metro Radio Arena. Yeah. Or whatever. Or Telewest Arena, I think it was at the time. And it was, yeah, it was half empty. Yeah. Like, like they, they, they aimed too high after that, I think. Mm-hmm. The problem... The thing is, Permission to Land is a phenomenal album. I adore it. I learned that how to play that album on the guitar back to back. I can still play about half of the songs just from memory. Um, I think it hit the way it did because at the time, a lot of rock music was quite morose and miserable. It still is. And, and, well, it can be, yeah. But like at the time, it was like the height of new metal. So new metal, it was like yeah. bands like Papa Roach, Linkin Park, Korn, Limp Bizkit, you know, stuff like that, where it was just fucking either braggadacious shite or just miserable teenage angst and you know this one I, I mean the first time I heard The Darkness I didn't like them because the first song I heard was uh, Get Your Hands Off My Woman which is actually a banger but I remember watching the video on Kerrang and thinking what the fuck is this <laughs> just Jeremy didn't Kyle, make any sense it? yeah it's and, off uh, my woman it's great and, um, it's so good oh it's, it's such a jam like when you actually go back and listen to it it wasn't until uh, they released the video for Growing On Me and I was like, oh, no, okay, I get this now. I really get this. Mm. And I, I love that album. And I've, I saw them live twice on that first couple of tours that they did uh, when they were doing, before they started trying to do arenas. But, yeah, I would agree. I mean, like, um, the second album was all right. There was a couple of good songs on it. The new stuff is fucking brilliant. If you listen to their latest album, it's incredible. It's batshit crazy. They've gone whole hog. Like, weirdly enough, they are crazier without the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'd agree that with Permission to Land being a one-hit wonder, but I would definitely say they have been a consistently excellent band. I think the problem was, um, I believe in a thing called Love, was horrifically overplayed. Like, I think people oh got very... God, everyone got sick of the darkness very yeah. quickly. I got and sick of people trying to sing that song themselves when they were drunk <laughs> and drunk. <laughs> When that track came on, and that wasn't fucking annoying at all. Oh yeah, no, yeah, not many people can hit that powerful set, or can no. they? No, that's where that's why I said I think that people turned on them. The popularity went yeah. down, and I think that's because of things like that getting overplayed. And like, I and mean, that's that's probably one of the least good tracks. You know, that there's much better tracks on the album than that. Yeah, it's just that that's obviously the one that hit well with the mainstream. Yeah, I, I, yeah. To, to be honest, I'd probably say it might maybe be the worst song on the album and that's just me saying because the rest of the album is fucking brilliant Growing On Me's best song on the album Growing On Me's best song I do like uh, Love On The Rocks With No Ice even just for the title Um, Black Shook Black Black Shook's immense Right I've got things to say (laughs) Oh god So disclaimer I know Justin I know Justin and Dan personally so what I'm going to say now is that's got a little bit of um, not not nepotism, but that kind of thing. I've got a bias. Is Stig fired? No, not at all. I've told him <laughs> I still love him. So <clears throat> I've, in my previous life, managed to be able to work with these this this band um, before they hit the big time and since. Um, Permission to Land is unarguably an incredible flash in the pan, if you want to call it that. Um, 
they're still dining out on that. There's no denying that. <laughs> oh yeah, they'll be di- they'll be dining out on that till the day they die. Absolutely, you don't go five time platinum and not think, oh, we don't have to work ever again. No. So, um, one way ticket to hell and back. I think it's that second album problem that all bands have gone through, where hmm, it's three songs good in here doesn't warrant an album, and I can say that wholeheartedly because I've said that in person. <laughs> I think I, I think also it suffered from the fact that the first album. If I remember rightly from what I read, that was that was recorded for like five grand in two weeks. Yes, yes. Whereas like there's not even like real guitar amps on there. They're all using like line six pods. Oh, it's yeah, it's amps. ridiculous. Whereas when they came to do One Way Ticket to Hell and Back, they like they all of a sudden had budget. And oh, it's yeah. like this they sat in the studio for far too long. A full full fucking Abbey Road style, mate. It was ridiculous. According yeah. to Wikipedia, it cost them nearly a million quid. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, which is yeah, it's ridiculous. For a, yeah. For a, I for also think I think album. maybe his like personal issues at the time would probably. That sec- yeah, the second album obviously was cocaine, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it was cocaine and a dark spiral into cocaine. Now, um, Hotcakes is a great album. It's a very good album, and Last of Our Kind and Pinewood Smile. The the good albums, the good albums, but. Um, so I- by your own admission, though, you just described Permission to Land as a flash in the pan, which would that not make it a one-hit wonder? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, this this is what I was getting at. Like, I have no issue with the darkness. I think they're brilliant. I'm talking about something that I thought was really great, which they, they never hit yeah. that height. If Permission, to land, if, that, if permission to land hadn't sold that much, there wouldn't be a one-hit wonder. There'd just be a competent band yeah. roaming, roaming just, up and down. That's the difference, yeah. That first year... They were everywhere. Oh, mate, it was ridiculous. Go- it was ridiculous. So like I said, I saw them in February 2003 as a support act. Mm. And within a year and a half later, they've gone straight to headliners yeah. at Leeds Festival. They've not even gone to the Radio 1 tent, which is usually the first yeah. step up. They even even bands like the, the Libertines main- went to the yeah. Radio 1 tent and They stuff. went straight to the top bill yeah. on the main stage, and yeah. that's huge. Meteoric, they, isn't it? They never got that height again. They just... Now, if they were to go to Leeds and Reading, they, I think they'd be third from top, maybe yeah. second from top on yeah. the on the on the I think, Radio One Ten. I, 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 I don't think they'd be that high, to be fair. I think no. they'd probably headline second stage or yeah, something like yeah, that. Like genuinely, it, yeah, but yeah. That's that's what it was. It was a, it was just one thing. I thought I absolutely love this, but nothing has since mm. touched them. Mm. They'd so. be under our live show, right? On the heading, I mean, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I tried my best to get him to come onto this uh, Zoom call, but he did. <laughs> um, that would have been great. Just, I'm just gonna. Uh, can you just click authorize, ladies there, and you? gentlemen? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah. Pe- people are busy, so that's not happening. <laughs> you got out of that one, but yeah, yeah. I, I get, I get what you're saying, and I can see there's no animosity there, and yeah. No, there isn't. Ooh. I didn't come on here intentionally. I'm not to take the piss out of them. It was something that I think's great, but it's a one-hit wonder. I will say as well, the darkness are why I'm such a good guitar player now because I, I obsessively I was didn't learning guitar at the time when they came. Some in. of the best guitar books ever. It wasn't necessarily they did the best guitar books because I learned a lot of their stuff by ear, but it was just mm. the fact that the songs were the actual riffs and the composition of the songs were simple enough for a beginner to kind of get yeah, their head yeah, around. Yeah, but yeah. then the the solos were quite. They weren't too shreddy, and you could like sit and like kind of work and them you, out. You and... still look like a fucking badass playing them. Yeah, which is the oh, main yeah, thing. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But like I say, like twenty years later, I can still remember about a good half of them. Mm. Mm, right. Excellent. So we'll we'll move on begrudgingly to Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, begrudgingly. After I could talk about that for another three hours. 
I feel like I'm hurt. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, a video game. And oh. it's called Split Second, which I may have referred to in the pod before. I can't remember. We've done oh, yeah. a million episodes. <laughs> Not quite. But um, Split Second, uh, for those that don't know, is an intense action racing game. I've never set heard of it. Within a reality TV show. So um, competitors uh, vie to be first to the finish line. Um, and around the track, uh, there's sets of parts of the track that are rigged to blow. So the players don't just collide with other vehicles to knock them from the trap. You can also trigger devastating oh, events shit, that I alter do remember this. the race dynamics. Um, there was um, On the race, there was like a dam, there was an airport, um, a ship in dock. There was mountain levels. Yeah. And um, from what I can remember, and then depending on your using your racing skills, whether you were drifting, draft, close calls, etc., you could then activate the power plays that either set off destructive parts and of the track. Knock the crane out in the distance and change yeah. the parts of the track. Yeah, um, I remember that. There's one level where this cra- that specific crane just sweeps yeah. its arm across the track and basically takes cars out. Um, there's boulders that avalanche down. Um, and then if you build up your three-part power plays by doing all these uh, intense, clever driving skills. Then you can activate the ultimate play that can not only change the route of the race, um, but um, the airport level, for example, the um, air control tower will crash into the the, uh, road, which sets you off down onto the runway. And then because the air control tower has gone down, uh, (laughs) passenger jet (laughs) crashes into the runway. And you have to dodge that at the same time. (laughs) Um, there's a level where you're driving around a ship and then the dry dock breaks and then it goes crashing into the sea. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just really exciting to play. There were 25 cars. They're all different handling, whether it was the grip, drift, etc. Um, there were several mini games included or two where you're either driving behind an 18-wheeler truck and then as you're trying to obviously beat all the other cars, it would drop exploding barrels because that's what trucks carry. <laughs> um <laughs> And then, obviously, you've got to dodge them. Um, there was another level where there was a chopper trying to fire missiles at you. You had to dodge the missiles. Um, and it was uh, released by um, a developer studio called Blackrock. Blackrock? And Rock. they were due to oh. release a sequel. Um, but they were part of Disney Interactive Studios. And they oh. had to make a reduction at the studio workforce. And then new management came in. And then the sequel was cancelled in 2010. And then they ended up just doing business model of freemium contact. Uh, freemium content yay <laughs> yay so yeah it was just such an exciting game to play I loved it um, yes it had its faults you get a bit bored of the once you've done all the race um, if you keep going around and around and around then yes you kind of expect what's going to happen but as a spectacle to play uh, I don't think anything has ever really that's touched that's where I remember Blackrock from the, the, the Italian job <laughs> I was going to say yeah, yeah that's who did them yeah <laughs> and they did Pure which was before this I can't remember but, um, I think they were on the cusp of being a great studio at this point. And I would love to have seen the sequel, but of course they never got a chance to do it. It seems like one of those um, ideas that someone like Codemasters are just grabbing. We'll, we'll have it, you know what I mean? We'll, we'll take that IP and move across, but that's a shame. I've never seen, you know, considering racing is either you've got the, the simulation or the arcade, or you've got Forza arcade, and this was just something else. It was just different enough to make you want to play it and it was exciting it was fun with your mates or on your own and I'm just surprised no one else has done anything was it 360 PS3 yeah 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 wow even had to be continued after the main single player game (laughs) did it it was going to have a sequel to it but it just never happened but it was such a great game and I implore you to play it it's on backwards compatibility I've just checked it is is, yeah (laughs) 
It is great uh, fun. Really good fun. Yeah, another one of those studios that fell victim to, to, to Mickey Mouse's evil hands. Yeah. yeah, Mickey Mouse, he likes to hire, but he loves to fire. <laughs> oh, it's, it's what it's what gets him up in the morning. It's, it's not <laughs> it the hiring is. process. It's the it's a oh, I'm going to fire someone today. <laughs> <laughs> You're next, Pluto. <laughs> Excellent split second. Yeah, I'm going. I'm that's probably like three quid as well. I might get that. So. It's, really, it's really sad like, looking down at the games that they made, like stuff like Gumball Three Thousand, MotoGP, Crash and Burn, Hot Wheels, Stunt Track Challenge. Like they they were very much like a shovelware studio, kind of, but with good ideas in their games. Double A Codemasters. Yeah, I mean. yeah. It was like, this was them about to hit the big time. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, really That's, it would have been nice if they, if they had the opportunity to get that. Oh. I mean, e, I mean, e, even EA wouldn't have shut them down that quickly. No. No. Okay. Excellent. So my first pick. I want to talk about music. Um, a band called The Lars. You might not remember them, but you'll remember the song There She Goes Again. Oh, oh, oh yes. fuck, it's in your head now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So, in everyone's head now. Yeah, so the Lars, the incredible Britpop, uh, this this song especially, incredible Britpop riff. Before Britpop was even a thing, uh, it was called like Jangle Pop, uh, inspired bands like Oasis and Blur at the time. I believe it was nineteen uh, ninety, yeah, early nineties. Um, Lee friends with them as well. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Lee Mavers, the front man. This is basically <laughs> the story goes uh, that's that out their first album called The Lars by the Lars. Uh, <laughs> uh, that album just absolutely skyrocketed. Enemy still has it in their top like albums of all time. It's like a quintessential Britpop album. And uh, the band came out, as soon as it released, they came out and went, we've, uh, we've, we, we don't like this album anymore. We've, uh, we, we, we want nothing to do with it. <laughs> 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 it we, we don't like how it sounds. We don't like that it's gone mainstream. And uh, Lee Mavers started going to the spiral of drugs. He joined um, a monastery. <laughs> Whoa. And then he came, out of, he came out of obscurity and wrote some songs for Paul Weller, Changing Man, very famous Paul Weller song. Mm-hmm. He wrote that so- secretly. And... He's he's one it, him and the band are one of those musicians musicians if you get me like everyone's like yeah uh, who would you love to gig with who would you love to who would you love to write an album with they're always like oh Liam Mavis the, the the Lars I'd love to do that because um, it's like it's one of those that it li- literally is a flash in the pan it literally is a one it wonder because that song especially if you don't hear that in the summer something's wrong yeah that is a, a summer anthem and the whole album is just absolute tunes to it and you, you're all going to go and listen to the album now as well i promise you oh I, i've listened to it enough for one lifetime we <laughs> when, when, when i was being hoity-toity in music school yes as i was um we we, we had a lecturer um who was uh the former bass player of prefab sprout jesus wow Martin McAloon. <laughs> and um he was obviously friends with the lars because he was in the music scene at yes. the time um 
And he basically describes that, that song, There She Goes, um, as the perfect pop song. Like oh, scientifically is. the perfect it pop is. song because it's, the chorus comes in at a certain time, it's in a certain key, yeah, at a certain riff. tempo, at a certain rhythm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got an instantly recognisable riff that is carried yeah. through the entire song. And it's just like, yeah, if you had to write down how to put, a pop, how to mm. put together a pop song that will sell a million copies, that's it. What happened as well, because they all dis- uh, disowned the album, um, a lot of adverts took hold of that song. So it's on a, it's, it's on a lot of um, holiday adverts and summer okay. adverts. And it kind of diluted the impact of the rest of the album because it's just all so, so good. And the people listening now going, oh, the fucking, the last, yes, yes, because there's some diehard fans. And I believe there, there were rumours a few years back uh, started by um, Noel Gallagher, who's one of their biggest fans. Like, oh, you you might hear from the last very soon, and then obviously the world went to shit. So who knows? I think, I think they did something. They might have done Liverpool, like on. Well, they're, they're from Liverpool, on, aren't they? So yeah, like they did like a you know just a one off thing a few yeah. years ago, like just you know a few songs on stage kind of thing. Yeah. Do you know what? Like that song, I was just looking up. At the first time I ever heard that song was actually the Boo Radley's version. It wasn't even yeah, the last yeah. Version. a few, a it's few from, people. So I married, it. so I married an axe murderer. Yeah, um, like if you if you watch that, <laughs> that's the first time I've ever. That's what that song Robbie reminds Williams me of. Robbie Williams covered it as well. Like oh, Robbie Williams, oh, he's he, a, he's he does covered everything. To cover a song like that. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. And, and people got when when you when you put that song on. I've I've been at parties and people have gone, oh Robbie Williams. I'm like fucking get out of my party. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's on my party. Get out that, anyway. That, that's on the um, that's on the level of like Leona Lewis covering Hurt. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> like when, Ooh. yeah, when Nine Felt Inch Nails <laughs> and uh, Johnny Cash sing it, like you know what what well, that's people say. About. Oh, John, have you ever heard Johnny Cash's hurt? You mean you mean Nine Inch Nine Inch Nails's hurt that Johnny Cash covered? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so fucking. It's such a great album. It's a feel good album. There's a dark undertone to it because these men were clearly struggling with their own lives, and yeah, just the Lars by the Lars. <laughs> so we'll move swiftly on. To gadget, your second choice, pal. Uh, for my second choice, I'm going to take it away from music and games, and we're going into films. Oh dear! Because I want to talk about a director who had one excellent film, mm-hmm. one blockbuster film, mm-hmm. and then a load of turgid shite. Mm. I'm talking Luc Besson. Oh, Luc Besson. Yes, the Frenchman himself. Um, so if you have any inkling of this man, you'll know that probably the two biggest films he's known for was uh, Leon in 1994, uh, the film that kind of broke out um, Jean Reno and it was uh, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman, played, yeah. Uh, yep. And then, of course, The Fifth Element, oh, which is mwah. one of my favourite films of all time. It's, if you uh, follow it, this podcast, we've talked about this film ad nauseum. Yes. <laughs> we um, love it. I'm not going to talk through it again, but it is an incredible film. So good. Because... Because it it t- it took the the comic book sense about sensibilities. It had this wonderful European design to it. Um, like Jean Paul Gaultier did the costumes yes. for it. Like Luc Besson pulled in a load of fucking favors from his mates. Um, <laughs> and like there's so much of the film that is so sumptuous, and it's possibly one of the best looking '90s sci-fi films. I, I think, think so because it's bright and colorful. It's not like dark and dirty and turgid or anything like that. I've used turgid twice in the same sequence. That's Keep using it. Weird. I like yeah, that word. Good word. His next film was Joan of Arc. Which was turgid. 
<laughs> that would be optimistic. <laughs> uh, he then did a, he then did a few French films, um, which obviously didn't make it to Hollywood, and some documentaries. Then did Arthur and the Invisibles. And in fact, three Arthur films. The fuck is that? Never heard of uh, it. Kids, kids film from two thousand and six. It's kind of like a children's fantasy. It can, probably um, came out at the time like Meet the Robinsons and stuff came out. The oh, things. that's like that's like Disney's worst period yeah, as well. That. That's what I mean. <laughs> Um, hang on, I've just lost him on IMDb there. Go back to director. There we go. Uh, so then, so yeah, he did three of these Arthur and the Invisibles films. Um, a film called Angel A, which I've never heard of. Nope. He did The Lady, which was a film about uh, Aung Sun Moon, is her name, from um, uh, the, the female politician from Myanmar. Yeah. Um, and then, and it hurts for me to remind everybody of this, he did Valerian oh. in the City of a Thousand Planets. Everyone was saying it's the new Matrix. No, try to recapture that magic of the fifth element. And you know what? It was dreadful. It is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Hasn't it got Green Goblin in it? Uh, I don't. The young boy. That's yes, the, yeah, it's got the lady yeah. players that Green Goblin in there. Yeah. Dane Dehan. Yep. And that yeah. and that that model that became an actress that shouldn't have Could, become an actress. Cara Delevingne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, and. Yeah, any number of kind of reasonable, reasonable, reasonably recognisable people. Like, although off the top of my head, the only one I can think of is Peter Serafinovich. Yeah, he's in it. Yeah, but he'll he'll turn up for anything uh, oh, yeah. as long as he gets to do a voice. <laughs> um, oh my god! Like, so he's peaked at nineteen ninety five. I mean, if we, yeah, it just it boggles my mind that someone can get someone something like the Fifth Element so right. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm just I'm just looking up up the box office stats here. Wherever it's gone, Why, Google is really annoying on how much it, on the information that it Should gives you. Should use Bing. It to it. <laughs> I refuse. Xbox okay. rewards. So it was. So the fifth element was made on a budget of ninety million dollars, which is expensive for a mid nineties film. That all went on clothes as well. <laughs> Probably, yeah. It, but it brought in two hundred and sixty three point nine million dollars. Wow. So for this. Science fiction film that came out of nowhere. It made a fuckload of money. <laughs> it did. And when you boil it down, the film is actually pretty nonsensical. Like not a lot of the sequences make sense in order. But when you watch it, you don't care. It's just it's, it's a fun watch. It's a brilliant film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, everything that he did after that has just been low rent or low quality or really or have like really significant problems. Like like when you look at Joan of Arc, that film is bad across the board. But then you look at like the, the, the three Arthur films and it's just like, they're pretty serviceable children's fantasy films, but the animation is dreadful. There's mm. good ideas in it, but like everything, it's that mid to mid two thousands uncanny Valley thing about everything where everything looks kind of terrifying. <laughs> you wouldn't want to actually put your kids to it. And then Valerian. Oh, oh. sorry. I, I know they throw up every time I mention the name of the film. How do you think just- I feel, dude? I watched Valerian and Jupiter ascending in the same day. Oh, why would you Bloody do that hell. to yourself? I'm a fucking idiot. I just never, I just never bothered watching it because people say it was shit. <sighs> well, yes, it was shit. So yes, Luke Besson, I think, is definitely a one-hit wonder. Oh, I, I, I do like Leon, though. I'm a big fan of Leon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Leon, Leon's what put his it's name. It's critically on, uh, a success, Leon, isn't it? I don't think it's a bit yeah, of a cult film. Yeah, it didn't yeah. be a successful film in a mainstream sense. Yeah, it's the fifth one. I, I thought, oh, maybe he's work. So no, he do, he's written a lot more. Than Worked he's in the background somewhere. So I thought yeah. I had a quick look there, and I thought, oh, his, his skills are probably in writing. And I looked through the last twenty years since the fifth one. I'm like, and I'm like, the only thing in there that I like is Taken, and it isn't even 
it's not due to the writing. It's just due to Liam, middle-aged Liam Neeson. Yeah. Like, Kick, kick, bring yeah. people for two hours. Oh, okay, oh yeah, I, I, I forgot. You also directed Lucy. Oh I God, Lucy. No. Oh, which is God. terrible. Is film. that the film where yeah. she it's becomes the internet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to, 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 humans only use ten percent of their brain. No, they fucking don't. Oh, we had that. We're limitless, that. didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you unlock, if you unlock the other ninety percent of your brain, you use hundred percent of your brain at all times. <laughs> yeah, it's like no, fuck off. It's work. I like just that. remember shit that I forget. Is probably what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Remember where you've left your glasses or your keys yeah. or something. <laughs> oh, oh god. And I think uh, Luke Besson wrote that one as well, and he wrote Anna, and he wrote. Oh god. Yeah, he's not just tracking it <laughs> at all. Yeah. Oh, oh, and he wrote that dreadful TV series version of Nikita because, of course, he one, oh, of, one of his first bombed, films, didn't was, it? Yeah, one of his first films was La Femme Nikita, La Femme Nikita. in French yeah. um, in the early nineties, and yeah, he he wrote the TV series for it. Yeah, that bombed. And it somehow ran for fifty-one episodes. Yeah, I don't get that. Oh. Sometimes they just film them before they release them. <laughs> <laughs> Although she does look good in that dress, I have to say. Absolutely yeah. true. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, don't. Don't just just don't watch the best on films unless it's uh, Leon or The Fifth Element. Just watch Fifth Element for the nine hundredth time, like me. <laughs> yep, love that. I agree with that. Love that film. Excellent. Thank you. Um, we're going to move on to Stick now. Right, my second choice. So, if I mentioned the movies, Face in the Rain, A Fine Madness, Loving Up the Sandbox, Eyes of Laura Mars, ring any bells for anyone? I feel like I'm mm. I'm not in the loop here, mate. <laughs> No, no, didn't, not me either. Oh, oh, no, right. No, these aren't films, you know, well-known films. At least they're not for me. Uh, they're all ranked pretty average films mm-hmm. on the IMDb. Mm-hmm. These are the work of a man called Ivan and Kirchner. Ah, now I've heard. No, no. Yeah. So he spent his career, 30 years in the business directing shorts, TV and average films. But then in 1980, released a film which is probably, which is definitely his highest rated film <laughs> and probably one of the most iconic films of all time. Yeah. A little film called The Empire Strikes Back. Yep, I can see that. Yep. The good Star Wars yeah. film. Yeah. How did he get that yeah. role? Because he knew George Lucas. <laughs> I think they all went to the same school, didn't they? He was George yeah. Lucas's professor. Yeah, that's it. Uh. So George Lucas obviously uh, directed Star Wars in 1977. Yep. There's another one-hit wonder for you. <laughs> <laughs> he might he might have wrote and had a lot of production production yeah. uh, stuff on the on the subsequent films, but he's only directed one good film. Let's be realistic. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and even then, by comparison, after the next uh, ne- next three Star Wars films that he directed, the quality of 1977 Star Wars goes down a little bit. Well, he, he didn't comparison. he didn't direct Indiana Jones either, did he? That was Spielberg. So yeah, yeah Spielberg worked, he worked with Spielberg. He hasn't Spielberg even got that to his name. <laughs> No. So he, so basically, he took a backseat role on the directing and went and did all the production roles, um, writing and other. I imagine he just sat stuff. there building all the Kenner toys to make yeah. million, to make billions. And yeah, so he gave it to his former professor Ivan and Kirchner. Wow! So a guy who had spent most of his career, and actually, he's worked with some pretty big names. If you go back and look through his works, but nothing in there is anything unless you're a film buff. Yeah. I've never heard of any. Somebody of will be work. like, "That's a great film. It's a it's yeah, a filmmaker's maybe they film. Are. Maybe they are, but in the mainstream, none no, of us yeah, have exactly, heard of it. Exactly. And like, somehow he landed this the follow up to one of the most successful films of all time. He didn't want it. No. 
uh, he turned it down originally, saying that he couldn't top the first Star Wars couldn't be topped, and then his agent told him that he had to. And take then he it. fucking smashed it. To and then he did. He made yeah, it brilliant. And then, he, <laughs> then he made a better film, more iconic film, the best and probably one. the one. Yeah, the best Star Wars film, and the one with the line that's probably quoted most, like in it, like. So spoiler, he, yeah. spoiler alert! I am your father. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> But then I was looking, I thought, well, let's have a look at his career after Empire Strikes Back. Maybe he's put a banger since then. Nah. Really? <laughs> it's, an, it's a name that I know because obviously I've watched many, many Star Wars documentaries and stuff like that. It's a name you always hear pop up. And you think to yourself, oh, he's probably probably made thousands of incredible movies that you, we yeah, all know yeah. and love. But no. <laughs> Just no. Just made Empire Strikes Back, directed that. And yeah. then after that, he directed Never Say Never Again. Yeah. Oh, oh God! Hell. Which is <laughs> the, the worst one. <laughs> unofficial James Bond. Yeah, it's not even canon, is it? That one. <laughs> and no. and Robocop. Fired from the canon. Yeah, Robocop two. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, it's not. It's not, not very banger, good. Though, it's, it's still. It? It's still an oof. Yeah, yeah. there's bits. Yeah. And and watch it. it again now. It hasn't aged well. Yeah, Robocop and uh, that was his career. He finished wow. his career in 1990 with Robocop two. Um, he was in his late sixties then. So maybe he just felt like retiring, but yeah, he just never did anything before or after the heights of the Empire Strikes Back. I mean, if I were him, I'd just stop there, Empire, yeah. and just pretty, dined pretty out much on did that. Did by the sound of it? No, but I mean, from <sighs> from a story perspective, I love Star Wars: A New Hope. I think it, yeah. it's, it's just got the, the beats. It's a great story. It's a standalone film in its own way. I always forget it's called but, A New Hope. Well, the Empire it wasn't is definitely the better of the three. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's the best one. It's got the Shakespeare I, I, ending. It's got the the dark ending, and it's just yeah, yeah the balls of it to finish on yeah. basically the good guys losing. Yeah. Well, even if you just look at it from a purely technical directing standpoint, like that, the, the fight sequence between Vader and Luke in the, in the latter portion of the film when when mm. they're in Cloud City, mm. like the look of everything is is superb because you've got all this kind of contrasting light for the, the, well, the, the light yeah. film the starts on side. off as well, doesn't it? It's got such a yeah yeah that's a great sequence. Yeah. As well. you, 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 also, also, you know, he he convinced George Lucas to get in like sword fighting trainers yeah, so they could did, actually yes. choreograph a fight rather than have two old men like kind of. <laughs> Hold their light touching swords. That bit yeah. when he just puts his lightsaber down and it gets turned evaporated into nothing. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's that's the one thing about the first film as well. So bad. Just sidebar is like when you watch everything afterwards, especially the new ones. Even the older Jedi can move. Look at like, Dooku. Like, yeah. They yeah. they they're, they're <laughs> move the way they're moving, the way they're fighting, and in, in, in the first one, they're just kind of like ding ding. Yeah, which like is like they're... 20 years later from, uh, uh, from, yeah. from Revenge of Someone's the Sith. Someone's done like a reimagining on that on YouTube. Really? Yeah, it. it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. it is yeah. good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I was looking at that and I just thought, I just thought I'd run through a couple of other one-hit directors. Yeah, 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 go. Yeah, unless someone's as long got as you don't, I've got a director, so I don't want you to do it just yet, just in case you uh, hit one of mine. Should, 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 we, should we do um, uh, honourable mentions at the end? Just yeah, because yeah, I think all these I was looking at, I was looking at all these and thinking I could pick any one of these and they'd yeah. all work. Uh, you, might have one of my, you might have my next pick, but we're going to go mm. to Biggie first. Ooh. Uh, so, yeah, I wanted to uh, mention Tony Kay. Um, who um, has an interesting career and actually looking into this about his famous movie I went down a little rabbit hole with him and it's quite interesting about this movie and that is American History X yeah man yeah, he was on my list yeah oh uh, here yeah. we go so um, 
his feature film debut was American History X, an American crime drama about racism starring Edward Norton and Edward Furlong as two brothers from L.A. who are involved in the white supremacist and neo-Nazi movements. I forgot um, that Edward brother, Furlong was in that. He's a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, the older brother his brother. serves uh, three years in prison for voluntary manslaughter and uh, is rehabilitated during this time. Yeah. And then he tries to prevent his brother from basically further indoctrination. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, when this movie came out, um, it was just incredible. So powerful. I think such an incredible story. The performances are amazing. Uh, really sad ending. Ed Norton looks just, incredible in it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, so buff. It pretty much just shot his career up, skyrocketed from this movie. But um, yeah, this really interesting story I found out about this movie. So, um, Kay, before that, was sort of doing music videos, has done a few more after that. He's only actually done uh, four movies after this. Wow. One of them wasn't even released, and one of them is a documentary. And down this rabbit hole of. Bizarre story with this movie. So he disowned the final cut of the movie and unsuccessfully attempted to have his name removed. Released from the a K cut. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the film was critically lauded and Norton was nominated for an Academy Award yeah, for Best Actor. The uh, battle over the artistic control of the movie, um, which has actually become part of Hollywood folklore, but I've never heard this story, um, it literally destroyed Kay's career. He delivered the original cut on time and within budget. Uh, New Line Cinema assisted on changes, and then the arguments began. Debate ended up escalating. He spent $100,000 of his own money to take out 35 four-page ads in the Hollywood trade press denouncing Norton and the producer. Wow. Using quotations from a variety of people, from John Lennon to Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) 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 He attended a meeting at New Line um, during negotiations and brought a Catholic priest, a Jewish rabbi, and a Tibetan Tibetan monk. It was like a joke. (laughs) Listen, did, did, did he walk in the meeting and say, is this some kind of joke to you? I think he wanted. To, I think he also wanted to sue the Directors Guild as well. He went absolutely fucking mental. When the, the company offered him an additional eight weeks to recap the movie, he said he discovered a new vision and he needed a year to remake it. He went to the Caribbean to rewrite the script. Um, oh, God, with of course. A Nobel Prize winning poet. And when they refused, the Directors Guild refused to let him remove his name. He demanded it to be credited to Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. That's amazing. <laughs> he, filed, he filed a $200 million lawsuit when the company refused. Wow. Um, and the weirdest ending to all this is that he's now doing a follow-up called African History Y. Oh, no. Oh, and fucking hell. return as director, starring Digimon Hunsu. Oh, he's good, though. In, Active development. He's the he's the he's the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy, isn't he? Yes, he is. Did you find out like when you uh, research uh, what exactly they wanted changing that just set him off so much? Did it say? No, I I couldn't find anything. I'm sure it's there. Um, if I did, I think I genuinely think there's a book about it, (laughs) like a like a um a book about like failed projects that released. I I think I I listened to an audio about years ago, and I think I can't remember the story, obviously, but. I'm, it, sh- it I'm, must, sh- I'm sure it's it known. It must have been something really yeah. bad like, for him to react like that. Cause, I mean, and it's weird because the film is very movie, brutal. Yeah, yeah, but imagine brutal, what he wanted that they didn't want. Imagine how bad it could have got. 
Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Right. Like the shit that's in that film. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. we don't need the K cut. No, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Excellent. Oh, good. I knew none of that at all. Good, good choice, really though. Good choice. Um, I were looking at that myself earlier earlier um, in the week. I was like, mm, but I, I didn't have the chops to chat about it, so I, I decided not to. But I've got a director as well for my second choice. Um, everyone but Stig, because Stig might know this. It might be on his list. Does anyone know who Rennie Harling is? Nope. Have I you ever have, heard of the film that. Die Hard 2? Die Harder? No, well, Die Hard 2, 1990, which 31 years ago. So, uh, Rennie Harlan directed it, uh, the Finnish native and action movie specialist. Um, last directed a good film nearly three decades ago, uh, Die Hard 2. Um, it's the only positively reviewed release in the director's entire filmography. Oh, God. <laughs> Somehow, Whoa. despite five razzes <laughs> and a career average metascore of 41. <laughs> He still Fucking keeps getting hell. work today, but his most famous thing after that was producing Cliffhanger, which mm. it's all right. <laughs> but yeah, um, Die Hard 2. A lot of people don't chat enough about Die Hard 2. I think Die Hard 2 is fucking brilliant. I like it. Oh, Die Hard 2 is great. Yeah. It's essentially... I remember nothing of it. Really? In the airport? I've seen it, I've seen it once. The, the most I remember Die Hard 2 is from Die Hard Trilogy PlayStation game, and that was the life <laughs> side of it. <laughs> it's a good game. It's a good game, that. It's a good game. But yeah, um, I was looking at Rennie Allen, and um, I was like, how do you, how do you come from that? He, he, could have, he could have directed so many... Because 1990 was the, when the decade started where you're getting true lies, you're getting all these, like, um, everyman-type films where you're always in... A position, a wrong place, wrong time type films. You know what I mean? And oh yeah, yeah, the ones where they cast Arnold Schwarzenegger as the everyman. Yeah, well, he, he was supposed to be <laughs> in True Lies. He was supposed he's supposed to be some kind of CIA operative, weren't he? But you know it's what like I mean. My, it's like my double, aren't he? He's a bubbling fool in it, bumbling fool in it. <laughs> but yeah, Rennie Harlan. Um, like I think Die Hard Two as it's a stronger film on John McClane's part. It's got more character for him. It's got like. The whole the whole running gag of the film is like, oh, not not again for fuck's sake! Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's always at Christmas. <laughs> it's always at this point, and I just think it's got a really strong setting in an airport when it's been evacuated, and there's there's a there's a a side plot about them trying to f- um, negotiate a um, release of a terrorist or something like that. Mm. Uh, it's got no links really to the um, the other film apart from John McClane and his wife are in it. And I think the reporter's in it as well. I think yeah, so. Yeah, he's, he's on the plane. We've got a restraining order. <laughs> that he's kind of plane thing. with that, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it's just a really good film. And I just never, and literally nothing else, like you can't even say Cliffhangers is because he just produced it. Do you know what I mean? I know obviously people's going to say. I'm just having a look at these movies. They did The Deep Blue Sea. Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> and the one That's I did like on this list. Uh, did he direct no, it though? I wouldn't say that. Uh, apparently, yeah. Oh, and, wow. Um, cool, this is cool uh, on IMDb. And then you got The Long Kiss Goodnight, which I do remember because that stars his wife, Gina Davis. Ah. And Samuel L. Jackson. I quite like that movie. Uh, it, but it's, not, it's certainly not. Uh, critically, I don't a, think anyone else did. No. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't mind The Long Kiss Goodnight. I thought it was all right. Mm. So that's, that's. Yeah, good choice. That's my, my last choice. Um, Stig, you've got some honourable mention directors that you've been. Yeah, just actually, I'm surprised. Uh, actually, between us, that only one song came up. 
Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, but I think true. it might be too easy to just say like a bunch of songs everyone knows yeah. are one hit We are the cheeky girls yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was looking through and I was like, any of these I could have picked on? Richard Kelly with Donnie Darko. Oh, yeah. Anything since. Neil Blomkamp, District 9. I don't think any of his other films are anywhere did, did near as close to after that? Yeah, but it's not very good, is it? Compared to it's District watchable. 9. Not bad. Every time his name gets it's brought not District up, 9. everyone's always like, oh, yeah, Neil Blomkamp. It's like, he's done one great yeah, film. The, 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 the Chappie film. was really good. Mm. Chappie was good. So he up for doing Aliens at one point. Yes, and then that, yes, but every director in Hollywood has been up for doing the next yeah, series. It was, I think, uh, Blomkamp was supposed to do Halo, wasn't he? He was supposed to do the, was, yeah. the Halo, yeah. and then it turned into District Nine. I believe District Nine. <laughs> no, genuinely, <laughs> I think that's the story. Well, I know he's looking at doing like a District Nine follow-up. So we'll District see. Ten, I think it basically yeah, District Ten. Uh, James Mc, uh, I can't pronounce his name. McTeague, V for, De- for Vendetta. Yeah, yeah, excellent yeah. film. Nothing since Mary Harron, American Psycho. Mm-hmm. People might dispute this one, but I think this is correct. Lana and Lily Wachowski with the Matrix. The Matrix. Yeah, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and finally Roland Emmerich, Independence Day. I agree with that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roland Emmerich after Independence Day did a lot of shit. I also <laughs> the same shit, but like nothing landed like Independence Day. I also Day had another all. one, but you probably would have disputed it because there were financial successes. I had Michael Bay. Because only the first Transformers got positive Metacritic score. Uh, I don't know. Like, no, no, he's he's had he's had a lot of Armageddon. Hits. Yeah, but yeah, he wasn't very positive yeah. <laughs> critically. And I that's why, well, but no, but that's no, why I didn't still, pick they still it. hit hard. Yeah, still that's like, why I didn't the film pick charts. Him, but yeah, I still don't like Michael Bay Just, at all. I was I, I was going to say for my honourable mention, um, L.A. Noir. The video oh, game, Team Bondi. Yeah, o- o- only only game released from Team Bondi, and it um, crushed them as well. <laughs> Well, well, also because the um, the head of the studio was an absolute people abusing cunt. Yes, like yes. he was a horrible piece of shit. Yeah, who drove some people to the extremes to get that game out, and the game was all right. Okay, it sold yeah. well. It was like a seven or an eight out of ten. Like it weren't special, but it were it it sold a lot of. They're good teeth in that. Yeah, enough <laughs> enough to get a PS4 remaster. Yeah, it's um, but yeah, like it's. It, the only thing that he kind of ever released by himself that or well the only thing his studio released because it got it went the way of the turkey yeah and got killed yeah effectively you know rockstar games just went and then went no we're not funding you mate anymore mm. i've got um four um uh, honorable mention songs um i've i've discussed it before tub thumping that's a one hit wonder that's an yeah. easy yeah. uh take yeah. on me by yeah. Aha. Uh, oh no, I'm, I'll dispute that one because Aha have had a hell of a career after that. Yeah, well, okay. Um, it's just it's the only song that people will know. But like, if you yeah. listen to some of their stuff, they've they've had some really big albums yeah, since I've got then. Two more: Tainted Love, Soft Cell. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Come On Eileen, Dex's Midnight Runners. Name another Dex's song. <laughs> you can't. Oh, it's it. <laughs> I know, I know <laughs> got you was looking for one. I know it. I can't remember the there'll be someone there'll be them. someone screaming at this podcast. Yeah, now. probably. But <laughs> they were my honourable mentions. Any more honourable mentions before we move on to uh, what people have told us? Uh, mine was just a little bit controversial, Uh-oh. but you'll probably understand why. And it was Mark Hamill, <laughs> uh, pu- purely because um, he hasn't appeared in anything else really. All he has I mean, famous for, quite rightly I, so. I, I'm, I am flabbergasted right now. <laughs> 
is astonished. Yeah, is, he's the best Joker. He's never acted. Well, he hasn't acted in another movie. You look he's cock knocker. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. It's just a character briefly in that oh. movie. It's it's just Mark Hamill hasn't done any other Gadget movies. Looks like he's, he's, he's absolutely stunned. He's famous for Star Wars, and yes, he is a brilliant voice actor. He played the Joker for a decade. He the did. best and Joker. Then again. He didn't. I will, I will, as a voice. I will back up Biggie in the case that if you asked, if you ask someone who doesn't watch Batman and doesn't know about that, yeah. what's Mark Hamill famous for? They'll say Luke Skywalker. Exactly. And uh, you say, or if you said to them, "Can you name a character that he's voiced?" Unless you know, like I, I think it's a bit more mainstream now that it's Mark Hamill. But if I was watching that in the nineties, there's not a chance in hell I'd know that Luke Skywalker. He was also he was, he was almost going to be uh, Vesemir in the new Witcher series, but it's not him anymore. Which would have All been right. fucking good. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's great. I actually had one actor as well that I want to throw in yeah. because uh, Rain Wilson. Oh, from the Office. Oh, from the office yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's great in some indie films he's done like super and stuff but that guy will forever be known as Dwight from The Office because yeah, right. he nailed right. that role so well that yeah you're he, right mate he will never be known as anything other than that I think I think Dwight's better than his uh, counterpart Gareth oh yeah absolutely I think yeah, Dwight's, yeah, Dwight's, Dwight's such brilliant. a better character he, he got his own show didn't he for a little bit like a series like Shroot Farms he got like oh, yeah, a, watched a, it. one series and it's not very good no, it, it, I think it was like a YouTube thing, though. It wasn't oh, like a yeah, show. that was it. It was, yeah, it was, it was on his YouTube channel. It and wasn't he, a proper he kind thing. Of... The British one only went for two seasons, whereas The Office went for like 10. Yeah, because so it, 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 went, it went completely away, didn't it, from the British office. It just went... Yeah, which is a good thing, because yeah. I think it's... And yeah. it, it, it allowed the characters to get a bit strange and get a bit weird. It's and... very weird, The <laughs> Office. <laughs> it's very weird. I, I, my favourite bit in the US one is, uh, I think, is it the wedding that they do? Yeah, Not the, the wedding, end. but there's a wedding that he... No, the, the one where... Uh, Dwight has to announce people coming in. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Phyllis's wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yes. love that scene where he has to keep announcing I, people that I go think, past him. It's I think so a good. lot of sitcom actors probably end up in that problem. Yeah. I think everyone from Friends struggles outside of Jennifer Aniston. Apart which... from being absolutely stonking rich after Friends. Oh yeah, but like you yeah. know, you know, as yeah, like you're right. I think we're going to hit his friends. We're going to so. put a pin in that because I want to do yeah. a sitcom special at some mm. point because I think we could talk about sitcoms for a long time. And we're going to move on to our uh, mailbag. And Postman Pat himself has got a lot of letters. Excellent. Yeah. And before I get to the letters, the, the, the last honourable mention that I did have, okay. which I, w- I won't go into in detail, I'll just point it out. Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous by Good Charlotte. The rest of their output was shite. It's the only song I've heard them sing. <laughs> exactly um, but we're going straight in with uh, Newton Thomas he's come in um, I, I believe Newton Thomas is a, is a synonym for Stig because he's coming with Richard <laughs> Kelly doing Donnie Darko <laughs> Paul W.S. Anderson doing Event Horizon which I'll dispute because uh, the Resident the six Resident they've Evil films fucking loads yeah they have been hits around the world they might not be good <sighs> yeah. but they've, they, even they, Monster Hunter has made money <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. No I, I, yeah. I kind of want to see Monster Hunter just to see how bad it is. Um, Duncan Jones doing Moon. Oh, God, I'm sure film. It's an excellent film, but I'm sure Duncan Jones has done something recently. I can't remember. Well, yeah, but it, 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 he also it came out with David Bowie, didn't he? <laughs> it's David I mean, Bowie's son. Hit. That's a big hit, yeah, exactly. Um, and then he also says, uh, George P. Cosmatos. Cosmatos? Mm. Tombstone. Oh, Tombstone. Yeah. Um, sorry, I got. Sorry, I'm just saying I got that wrong. Then it wasn't Duncan Jones that did Apostle. No, Duncan on. Jones did Warhammer, uh, Warcraft. 
I think that was it. Oh yeah, okay, fair yeah, we'll, we'll stick yeah. with Moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, futile exercise uh, on Discord has come in saying there have been some classic one-hit wonders over the years, but these are a couple of ones that spring to mind. White Town with your woman, mm. I don't remember. Yeah, uh, and Bomb Funk MCs with oh, Freestyler. I remember that <laughs> one. Freestyler, rock the microphone. Microphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Breakdancing video and everything. Oh god, what a banger! I remember, I remember the style of video, that kid with the dreadlocks coming in. He like pops his mini disc player, and I was like, I fucking need that Sony. Yeah, he also player. had a PlayStation so controller cool. in his hand. Yes. For no reason, because <laughs> it was a Sony record. Yeah, then. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Buy a PlayStation, play Wipeout. <laughs> so good. Uh, uh, Tig comes in with. So my offering is the absolutely belting by record by by on off could have been bigger than the Beatles indie rock band Ultrasound. Oh. Huge sound inspired by Captain Beefheart and riddled with Bowie-esque sexual ambigu- um, ambiguity. Their triple LP length debut. Who the fuck does a triple LP debut? That's impressive. Rush. Uh, true, yeah. Uh, so their triple LP length debut, Everything Picture, was at times incoherent, but also managed to convey Ultrasound's diverse sound, from towering anthems to the heart-wrenchingly beautiful. Like many of our greatest bands, they imploded in on themselves and limped on for years, making occasionally interesting comebacks, but never again reached the giddy heights of tracks like Sentimental Heart, Cross My Heart, Same Band, or, and I'll put a clip in, of Floodlit World. Such a good song. That's his reasoning there is pretty much my same reasoning why I chose the darkness, just not hitting those heights again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, best boy Kurt Lewin has come in with, Hi, chaps. I'm not that musical, but I remember a couple of one-hit wonders that weren't good songs but did well <laughs> in the charts. One was the Ketchup song by Last Ketchup. I don't know that. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, what was that? Oh, that, that, you do, mate. It was the Portuguese one. Is it? I said, I hear, ha, I hear. I hear bit that one or something uh, like that. Yes. Wow, yeah. no, you I've still never there, heard mate. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I remember hearing that one every day because I worked in a fucking call centre when that song came out, and it was on oh, the radio all the God, bloody call time. Call centre radio is the worst. Oh, it is literally the worst. Uh, so yeah, the Ketchup song by Last Ketchup, and it's Chico time by Chico. That's me. They were played endlessly in various bars and hotels whenever I went on holiday and in school discos. You see, for these, I don't count these as one-hit wonders because these are marketing exercises. Yeah, they're all, these are, they're all like these are Simon someone, Cowell school, aren't they? They're all yeah, like yeah. like Simon Cowell. Some executive's gone, hey, this person is reasonably popular. Do you fancy ten million pounds? One off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Come do the song. We'll put a couple of remixes out. Boof, you're off. <laughs> See you later. Um, I think the worst thing about that is that. Kurt was in school discos when Chico time came yeah, out. That makes me sick <laughs> a little bit. Just making me feel really old. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had a mortgage at that point. <laughs> For an actor, and I'm not sure if this counts, as he's in many decent to good films, but they are in one series, and that's Rupert Grint. I know he's been in other films <laughs> after Harry Potter, but I couldn't name a single one without Wrong googling. Oh, uh, googling it. Whereas I could name the other films that Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson have been in. I yeah, I, I agree. I didn't I even agree. know that were his name, Rupert. What do you say? I What's he called? Rupert Grint. Rupert Grint. Yeah, I thought Rupert Grint would be the one that 
propelled further, to be honest. Laddy hell, the, Harry. He's oh, he's the awful. better actor. He's the better actor of the three. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. When you when you, as as they go on and they, they kind of yeah. get be- they all get better, but he is the one that's he's the standout. And I thought he's going to have a better career, but didn't he do the astronaut film about farting? Yes, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't make that up, Biggie. That's a real thing. No, 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 no. But that was when he was like young, when he was doing Harry, po- Harry Potter. It's, this not that wasn't obviously post Harry Potter. Oh right, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's a shame. I bet he's got a load yeah, of money as well. Oh he's yeah, got a load sure of money. He's, 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 I think I, I remember seeing him on an interview on Top Gear or something. He's basically almost retired from movies and he's yeah. just like bombing around in cars at the minute because he's just he's like vaulting. I like Radcliffe in. Is it a woman in black? Yeah, is yeah. Radcliffe yeah, does exactly. some good ones. I, really, I enjoyed that. I prefer Radcliffe now. That's just, that's just doing absolutely insane. Did you crazy see Swiss projects. Army Man? Swiss Army Man. <laughs> oh, uh, so good. What's the Guns of Kimbo? Guns seen of Kimbo. That? Yeah. That's so that's is so that good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's oh, so I good. See that because there's, there's a famous picture, a picture of him from production where he's in the dressing gown with the big slippers yeah. on. Yeah, and two, two guns. He looks mad. Yeah, he it's like I love that. the I love the fact that he's just gone right. I've done ten years of being the, the face of a generation. Now I'm just going to go and do mad shit forever. He also got naked <laughs> on stage with a horse, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Met in Equus, yeah. 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 The, but then you've got Emma Watson, who's doing like a wonderful thing for women's rights and yeah, for charity yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Like yeah. you can tell which one of them grew up. She was also she, she was also <laughs> in. She actually acted in it. Yeah, she was in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this is the end. She was in Little Women. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good, but she wasn't. Um, Beauty and the Beast remake. She yeah, yeah, best. she was terrible in that. Oh, yeah, she was dreadful in that one. That was a shit film, uh, to be fair. Know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's Disney money coming your way. When Disney are knocking at the door, you don't see Neither of those three kids are skint. I said kids, they're probably my age, but they're not skint. I can say they're in their 30s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> those kids, those Harry Potter kids. Uh, Christopher Love comes in and he pointed out to us in the Discord today that he mm-hmm. sent, he wrote this while absolutely steaming drunk. And oh, so he wrote it in the afternoon anyway. then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like a Tuesday morning kind of thing. Um, Yeah, so if this is incoherent, we expect it to be. Cool. Dearest modulating eschatology. (laughs) Okay. I like that one. Uh, The ultimate one-hit wonder in the gaming sphere, Alexei Pachinov. Pachinov? The daddy of the one and only Tetris, a game that still enjoys massive success today. I'm loving Tetris Effect at the moment, and I love Tetris on my yellow brick Game Boy. Know what I didn't love? Alexi's entire career of trying to bottle a second bolt of lightning. Pandora's box, ice and fire, and hexic. Like Yaz before him, the only way is up. Which is a fantastic song for another one. <laughs> what a boy. As always, your punker punker burn and love dead people. That's so good. I, I actually played hexic for a while. Um, yeah, he's not good. No. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, ice and fire was was there uh, the Nintendo. Yeah. Um, a Nintendo online game for the the NES the other month. Were you not excited about that? No, because I don't I don't pay for <laughs> Nintendo online because no one plays online on Nintendo. But, but didn't he get fucked over about Tetris and then years? He got paid. Years he got later. paid back over. I think. I think. Yeah. 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 Um, Tom Earp says, "Hey guys, I thought I'd write in about a one-hit wonder that springs to mind." Pastor Maldonado during his FIA Formula One World Championship career. Ah. The 2012 Spanish Grand Prix was his only pole position, race win, and podium finish of his entire F1 career. 
He qualified second, but was promoted to pole when Lewis Hamilton was excluded from qualifying for not having enough fuel left in his car to pass scrutineering. (laughs) However, that shouldn't detract from his achievement because on race day, he put in a solid performance against Fernando Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen and took the win by three seconds, even after having to regain the lead after losing it to Alonso in the first corner of the first lap, a mistake by his pit crew on the third stop that left him under pressure from Alonso with about 15 laps left of the race. This is all white noise to me at this point. <laughs> <over> my head. <laughs> um, not everyone was happy about it, and there was and there was a conspiracy theory circulating suggesting there had been external influences on the outcome of the race. Oh they say no smoke without fire, and there was actually a fire in the Williams Racing Pit area. <laughs> 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 The conspiracists claim that this was started deliberately to remove evidence of what had been done to the car to cause it to perform so well. The main contender being a clandestine ECU firmware mod that removed the electronic limit of 18,000 RPM from the engine. After that, he went back to his usual standard of bidding it into the wall during practice or getting (laughs) penalised for race incidents. I don't think it exists anymore, but there was a website that kept track of how much or how little time had passed since his last crash. It happened that often. (laughs) (laughs) Kang regards Cowgo's move. That that just actually made me think, one hit wonders in sport, Formula One, surely Jensen Button fits that. Can can I also acknowledge the fact that... uh, Cowgirls Moo has just won the award, the award for most manly response we've ever received. I was going to yeah. say that it was information in that. That one. was pure. That was yeah. pure. Like Sunday afternoon, man. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I like watching F1, but I know fuck all about it. It's a cars on a track for me. I, I, I can't follow it in the slightest. Uh, John, also, being colorblind is really hard to see the difference between the cars. I can see, I can see Ferrari, and that's about it. To see the road. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a car on. I can't tell who it is. <laughs> They're all cars. Uh, <laughs> are they winning? <laughs> John Lister, uh, smashes clear, comes in saying, Afternoon, gents. The Wachowskis. Do I need to elaborate? Mm. Yep. Well, he's asking the question, but then he elaborates. Oh. <laughs> don't ask and answer your own question there, John. We don't like that here. <laughs> the Matrix is arguably the greatest sci-fi action movie of all time. It's up there. Mm. I got to see it re-released at the cinemas a couple of years ago for its 20th anniversary, and it really holds up. It's beautifully shot, tightly edited. It manages to keep excellent pace and structure while having some interesting philosophy and ideas behind the action. It's simply brilliant. They've never got close to that level again. The sequels to The Matrix were horrible, incoherent messes. Agreed. I'm just remembering the Merovingian now. and (laughs) I just just remember how... Fucking the Matrix ended, and it ended. That's what bothers oh, me. Now it's coming back. No, stop it. Yeah, there is a Matrix four coming. Oh. Uh, there, there are bright spots and fun action sequences, but any films that contain the Merovingian and the architect need to go straight. So bad. <laughs> so bad. The Merovingian scenes are awful. I don't understand how you take the whole first movie. How good it is. It's pure. Did they not realize how good it was? And they just they did thought, realize because they made fucking shitloads of money well, off they, it. Because they went, well, let's see how bad we can follow <laughs> that. Up. Because they just nailed that first movie. So good. So it's got well. a beginning, a middle, and how an end. And that's what fucks me that? off. They just tra- they tried to go too big and too clever. Oh, it's just so. The third weird. one and all. Fuck me. That rave scene as well. I mean, what was that? <laughs> oh, the rave scene. <laughs> I like the music, to be fair, but just the scene is. Let's just, let him well. continue before we get bogged yes. down. <laughs> yes, Smashius goes on to say Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas, and Jupiter Ascending. Ugh. That is the sum total of the output as directors since The Matrix. 
Those movies may have their defenders, but no one will, no one will try to claim they're on the quality level of The Matrix. The Wachowski sisters have that same tragic air of all one-hit wonders. People with clear talent who have yeah. shown they are capable of greatness, but never again recaptured that one moment of brilliance. There is a fourth Matrix film in development, <laughs> but I don't think anyone is expecting much. <laughs> I don't want it to happen. How can, are they bringing Neo back? Don't tell me they're not. No, they're not bringing Neo back. I've oh. already said the, the the Keanu Reeves has already said he's not involved. Spoiler alert! He's in it. Spoiler alert! He is in it. <laughs> but he's set pictures of him in Trinity. Oh, there might be flashbacks though. That that might be flashback scenes, rather than he can't be. He's in the it. one, but there's another one. Can't he? There isn't a Matrix <laughs> left. He got shut down. Can't there? Because this comes and goes. <clears throat> the architect says it goes and so. Oh shit! Blah, 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 yeah. Blah, blah, okay. Blah. So hang on. I'm just looking at the cast list now. I was wrong. Keanu Reeves is Neo. Carrie Ann Moss is Trinity. Oh no. Who else have they got in it? Neil Patrick Harris is in this. What about Fishburne? Oh, look at that. Jada Pinkett Smith is back as Niobe. The blandest character to ever exist. Oh. Yeah. No, no, the Merovingian's back. No. Wilson's <laughs> playing him again. He'll get his own spin Maybe they'll blow him up or something. Do you know the best thing about, I think I said this on that sequel scene, the best ever thing to come out from those sequels is the MTV Movie Award piss take. Oh yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, yeah. that was good. Yeah, that's the best thing. To come I from in that. my in my head, I do it with a lot of things. The Matrix is its own solo outing. It's it's yeah. It's, yeah. it's just on its own, and it's so fucking good. I know people say the Matrix, but it's because they're thinking about the other two. Yeah, if you think about the first one on its own, it's so good. See, I bought the Blu-ray trilogy when I was like, when I first got Blu-ray, I was like, I've got to have the full set of things. And, and you've I never like, watched thought, the others, have you? <laughs> I, just, I just bin the other two. I, I, I turned the other two in because I was just like, no, I'm not going to bother watching yeah. it. I've just, uh, and before we move on to the socials, I've just clicked on the IMDb for the guy who plays the Merovingian because I want to see what he's been in. <sighs> so he's been in The Matrix Reloaded, his own The Matrix ass. Revolutions. <laughs> he, he also played Eves in Sahara, which was a very bad film. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he played um, one of the baddies in Catwoman, which is oh, a terrible film. God. Yeah, this guy's. N- I never this is what he's Catwoman. known for. How does he get work? <laughs> Stop watching Catwoman after the basketball see, scene. See, see, that's the thing of like uh, that's, no. that's the I thing where that. oh yeah, we get the original actors back. It's like maybe you could have just recast someone this time. Oh, no one so would have noticed. Yeah, when he eats that cake. <laughs> But anyway, Can you imagine yes, going to cinema again and watching that architect scene? No, no, I couldn't. Uh, just no. How long did that go on for? Oh. I got the point ergo, of what they were doing, but it's ergo, ergo. It was just fuck off. This is the seventh Matrix. Fuck off. What <laughs> 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 oh. I want to know is how how they're going to explain with if they're bringing back Neo and Trinity. How if the if the Matrix is rebooting itself? How are they going to explain aging? I don't know. It's ridiculous. I, I hate it. Oh, it's like, it's going it. it. to be called the Matrix rebooted, isn't it? Oh god. <laughs> the Matrix oh, well, rehashed. What, what if they're going to use that um, that uh, that Superman top lip technology to de-age them? Oh god. Well, Keanu Reeves hasn't aged, does he? So it's fine. Matrix. <laughs> oh, well, we can't use <laughs> that. Can't use that. That's cut. <laughs> go, go. Right. Ble- bleep that out instead. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So thank you, everyone, for sending those great choices in. And we're going to move swiftly on to the socials. Yep. So you can find us on Twitter at Modern Escapism. On there, you'll find a link to all of our episodes, socials and Discord. If you have any comments, you can have a tweet us there or email us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com. If you like to watch gaming streams, come and watch us at twitch.tv forward slash modern escapism. Are you 
Well, are you back, Oodles? It might have been my one-it wonder, that one. That's last yep. stream. I don't know. <laughs> it, <laughs> what, what, Hopefully they're finished Bioshock by the time this what, comes what, out. What it, what it is, is... Um, it's going to be his Final Fantasy No, he won't have. He no, won't. I won't have. What it is, is... I forgot about time again. I, <laughs> 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 yeah, people were expecting the time episode as well. Um, no, what it is, it's just Saturday evening. Sometimes I sit there thinking, this is my night off. And, and obviously... To us in now time, not to you guys listening, but we've had such a busy week doing we've content. We have been destroyed. <laughs> so I, I will endeavour to attempt. It's just, I don't know. You need to finish it. I do you need to finish, finish it. it, but yeah. Once yeah. I finish even that, if, I, can have, fi- I, I if, can have a rest. Yeah, even if you finish it and take a couple of weeks yeah. off. Yeah, I might do yeah. that. I might, I might, I might. In fact, you know what? From Thursday this drops, I promise I'll play on Saturday. I'll finish it. There Excellent. you go. I'll do That's it all. Promise. That's a promise. Yep, uh, Biggie is continuing his Dark Souls streams on Monday nights, and Gadget and I will be back on Dead Space Three if we haven't finished it. I don't know where we'll be at by the time. Who we, knows? Uh, <laughs> right, on that Who knows? Next... It's it's yeah. it's a strange game. I don't think we'll have finished it. To be fair, I think we're halfway through it. You are. Yeah, from what I watched, point. you're you're more or less bang fifty percent in. Okay, so we have a few weeks left on that. Yeah. And uh, last thing to mention is uh, we recorded a Dungeons and Dragons special. If you've seen our, yeah. our, uh, our socials, you've just seen the characters that we put out, a bit of artwork on there. Excellent artwork. Done by excellent the artwork yep. done by Candy Machine, yep. who did the, uh, the, yep, yep, yep. the podcast artwork. She's a national well. treasure. Yeah, and on Friday, just gone, um, <laughs> 26. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. Yeah. <laughs> we did a really, well, we had a really great time doing a one-shot. We did. I had a really good time with that. And uh, yeah, that'll be, well, look out for that because that'll be dropping in. Watch how four to... men dwindle to absolute tiredness by the fourth yeah. hour. Oh, God, I was so it. tired. I was like, oh, God. I yawned about 500 times. <laughs> I was eating by the yeah, end of the Yeah, you were. Yeah. 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 It, but it, that it was, was just it, because it was my it was... fault. It was my fault. I got too ambitious writing it. As you're yeah. all aware, we of... do not know what time is on this podcast. <laughs> yes, I kind of expected what I wrote would take about two hours, but it, it, it was the opposite. You know how when you write when when you write something to be read out, you think, "Oh, yeah. t- took me an hour to re- to write that. It'll take an hour to read, and it takes five minutes." Like, no, no, this was this was. It took me like two weeks to write this, and it was. Um, Oh God, four hours long, dude! From the inception of this podcast, in my head, I was like, "We'll do an hour podcast every week." We've never done an hour <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's never happened. We don't know what time is. It's official. Yeah, yeah. So but we're we're going to release that in two parts, I believe. Um, yep. So look out for when they drop. I want to quickly add. I really enjoyed I doing did. that. Oh yeah, I've I never done D and D in my life ever. Yeah, it's the first time I've done it as well. And so. I think you I'm- all did it excellently. Yes, it was it, it was a brilliant session. The lads put so much effort into their characters, their backstories. Costume. They got into the role and costume on Oodle's part. Um, <laughs> he, there, there was there was there was a couple of interesting little trip ups where, especially at the beginning, where you know I, I'd set the scene and all that, and then I stopped talking. Are you keeping that in? Oh yes. Oh yeah, I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> set the scene, and I just kind of stop stop talking, just kind of expecting that the two characters that I'd pointed out who were t- walking together would say something. I was like. You might want to role play now. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you know, with, without spoiling anything, one of the party rolled some shocking dice rolls throughout the every fight. Yeah. <laughs> one of them managed some excellent dice rolls throughout some of the fights. Yeah. And one of them brought out the excellent dice rolls when it counted. Yeah, and one of them, terrible one of them's the really adept with a dagger, and that's all I'm going to say. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm I'm hope I'm hoping and I am I'm saying this now, but it all depends on time because these will take me a while to edit. Hoping to get them out on Good Friday and Easter Monday. What an Easter if, treat. If I if I don't make Good Friday, it'll be Easter Sunday and Easter Monday. Lovely. Look forward to that, guys. Anything yeah, else, Lestig? I was going to say, even if you're not really into Dungeons and Dragons, just give them a listen because they, they're really good. Well, we really weren't funny. into it, were we? And we still we, no, we really enjoyed like, it. I think you'll have a really good time just listening to it. And or listen, watching it. Like, it's chaos. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You'll be able to watch them on YouTube as well, which is why I think it might take me a bit longer to edit than I normally do. Yeah. And, yeah. and the quality of our voice acting. Is oh, yeah. There, also, with, if you yeah. are watching it, just a disclaimer it's not suitable for work or children. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's because you can see oodles. <laughs> yes. If we don't get nominated for some awards, I don't know. Yeah. What, Razzies? Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of, if we don't get your five-star reviews after them, then... We'll just come at you. What. We'll come at you yeah. like cannonballs. I'll roll a, twen- <laughs> I'll roll a 20 and my, uh, my Warhammer will be out. Absolutely. Excellent. You don't want to get smashed around the chops with that. Thank you very much. <laughs> so many euphemisms. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you guys for joining me and everyone listening to this One Hit Wonders episode um an interesting topic again um be sure to tune in to find out what next week's is going to be all about thank you very much and good night One Hit Wonders. Is this podcast a one-hit wonder? No, it fucking isn't. But Wikipedia describes a one-hit wonder as an entity (laughs) that achieves mainstream popularity, often for only one piece of work, and becomes known among the general public solely for that... Welcome to the club, baby! (laughs) (laughs) That's staying in. Let's do that again.